0: You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric, Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are brimming with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen.
1: And I'm Jen Justice.
0: And today we are delighted to bring you our first podcast. We've been preparing for some time and it's thrilling to get underway.
1: Absolutely. We are so excited to educate consumers about real estate. Buyers, sellers, the home buying journey, real estate in general, it's people's largest financial instrument and we're excited to give them some pieces of the puzzle that maybe haven't been there for them.
0: That's right. Our mission on Get Real KC is to provide you, the consumer, information, and transparency about all things real estate. We're going to do that by bringing in a variety of guests that have professional or personal interest across a gambit of areas encompassed in real estate, and we're going to interview them from your perspective. This week in our inaugural podcast, <laughs> I think we have the perfect guest.
1: We are so excited to welcome our first guest. She's been an amazing leader in the real estate industry for as long as I can remember, honestly, being raised in the business with a mother that was a realtor. She was working on contracts at the young age of eight years old and then legally licensed at the age of 18. She's the former strategic planning chair for the National Association of Realtors and is just instrumental in so many things for the National Association of Realtors. She's on the board of directors and has been on various committees. Currently, she is our president here locally for the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors, but she does many things for the state as well. The Missouri Association of Realtors is blessed to have her as the chair for the Strategic Thinking Committee this year, and she's also serving on the Finance and Budget Committee. Let's welcome our first guest, Bobby Howe. Hey, Bobby! thanks so
2: much for joining us. Thanks, Eric and Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today.
1: We are so excited to have you, Bobby. We appreciate you agreeing to be part of our podcast, Get Real KC.
2: You've been on my podcast, so this is only fair play, man.
0: (laughs) Are you kidding? We couldn't think of a better guest to have on our inaugural podcast. You'll be the first one we publish. So thank you so much for joining us.
2: That's, that's, That's quite the honor. So thank you very much. It's weird. I'm going to be honest. It's really weird on being on this side of the microphone. I mean, I realize I'm still on the same side of the microphone, but the whole, like, I'm used to being the one that says the silly things. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm the one being asked questions. This is weird.
0: Oh, you absolutely are. And I've got a few for you. Now, as you know, we're really, you know, most, most podcasts in real estate are focused on one of two things, right? The one that you host or that um, host, I don't know. Do you host? Yeah, co-host. The co-host, the one that you co-host, which is Real Talk Case which is a great podcast. I listen to it all the time, but it's really targeted towards realtors. Yes. And if it's not, if real estate podcasts aren't targeted towards realtors, then they're targeted towards typically investors, right? How to buy and flip homes, how to buy and rent homes, et cetera. Ours is a little bit different. As you know, we're really focused in on consumers. Buyers and sellers of residential homes is our primary target and really as an educational piece. So, one of the things I wanted to jump right in with, if you don't mind, is, is when we introduced you, of course, we talked about the organizations both at the national, state, and local level and your very impressive participation in them. But I was wondering if you could break that down you know, from a consumer perspective. What's going on in those organizations and how do you work in them that that help the buyers and sellers of homes?
2: Okay. I am very happy to break all of that down for you. So... I. Uh- not exactly all sure of all the things that were probably said about me that probably aren't true, but they sound really impressive and awesome about me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I've literally been in real estate since I was eight years old. So I've seen this industry really change over the years. And I've been licensed since my 18th birthday, which I have a birthday coming up at the end of the month, which may or may not mean that I've been in this industry, licensed for 24 years, but in here for 34. I'll let you do the math. It's fine. I was going to say, um, so hold
0: on, your birthday's coming up, so this will be your seven-year anniversary of license, right?
2: Yes, <laughs> that, exactly. Because um, I'm, I'm I'm young at heart, and that's all that matters. Um, but the things that we're really focused on right now, they're really helping consumers, and, and Jennifer's been a big part of that um, with her help that she does, not only with the Kansas City Association and with the National Association, but Jen's been a huge help with us at the Missouri Association of Realtors. And I think that's probably where the consumer has seen the most direct benefit. Um, I'm gonna get years wrong, so I'm not even going to try to get the years right. Uh, But a few years ago, the Missouri Association of Realtors, we led a ballot initiative to ban any transfer taxes on the sale of real estate. And if you cross the boundary and you go over into Kansas, they have transfer taxes when properties sell. That it's in an ad an additional three to six percent when you sell your home to transfer it. We in Missouri, we actually passed a constitutional ban against those for forever. Uh, we can't have those. No and that's sales huge. tax on services. It was a minute. That's before. the other one.
1: No sales yeah. tax on services as well was the other one, and it was crazy to be part yeah. of a proactive initiative for advocacy. That was. Yeah, putting that on the things I never thought I'd do in my life, actually, and have not done more than once. So,
2: and that's that's what I was going to talk about was we had a second constitutional ban, which banned the sales uh, sales tax on services, and that not only just helped sellers and realtors and people in the service industry, it helped everyone in the service industry. It helped your mechanic, it helped your hairdresser, it helped your daycare, anybody that provides a service. We were able to get a constitutional ban on. Um, sales tax for those people, because it would have been a form of double taxation. So those are the things that we really do and that are tangible. There are some other things that we've done since COVID, you know, such as being declared essential, which sometimes upsets people. However, there were people that still had to buy and sell real estate during the lockdown. Um, And this helped that in Pennsylvania, they actually were banned for like four months from selling real estate. People that were in the middle of an abuse wow. situation that needed to get out and buy a house or they had a death situation or they had a baby or a job transfer, they weren't able to buy houses during those four months. So there are a lot of little ways that we're helping the consumer that's not necessarily obvious.
0: Well, you know, that's a great transition. It's impossible to as much as we'd like to make all of our podcasts timeless. That's just impossible. So it, it's it's it's. I couldn't imagine having a podcast right now and talking to somebody and not talking about their COVID experience a little bit, right? The pandemic experience. And and we've been lucky enough through some efforts to continue to be able to... work in real estate throughout the pandemic. But that wasn't without making sure, like all businesses that are open, uh, not making sure that we're protecting not only our employees, and for us, that's our organizationally real estate agents, but also... Consumers themselves. What are some of the things? Because I know you, as the president of KCRAR, have been instrumental and and in depth in the weeds on this. What are some of the things that were going on now? If people are listening and they're like, I'm not sure I want to go tour a home or not, how are we protecting the public?
2: So I will go back to March 19th. That's when lockdown officially came and we were all trying to figure out how we protect everyone and how we keep each other safe and how we continue selling real estate during this time. And I will be quite honest, um, as the president of a local realtor association, it was a really hard position to be in because the 11,500 members we have of the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors are all essentially independent contractors. So there was a fine line to be walked between what the association was suggesting And what realtors could go out and do. And they also have a broker that oversees their license that also has a say in how they do things. And so it was a really, really hard time. But the things we have right now that we still have out as suggestions, and it makes me really excited when I'm in the MLS and I'm looking at the showing instructions. They all say, follow the COVID-19 guidelines because that means our agents are paying attention and they're taking this seriously. So a lot of the ways that we're protecting consumers right now and a lot of the rules that get passed uh, are that, they're not rules, but they're suggestions that we're following are that the realtor is really the only one to touch any surfaces in the home. Everyone's gonna go in with a mask. Um, at the very least, the realtor should have gloves on, the consumer probably should also wear gloves, but if they're not touching surfaces, keeping hands in pockets, not as large of a concern. Um, but opening, the realtor's the one opening doors, turning on light switches, doing all of those things, um, wiping down surfaces when you leave. We're allowing a, well, actually, I think we got away with it for a while. We had a 15-minute buffer between every showing coming into a house, and the market's just way too hot right now <laughs> to continue to have those buffers. However, in our MLS showing system, you it's auto-defaulted to not allow overlapping showings, so we don't have a house with 50 people all in it at the same time. Now. I will say there are some realtors that are going in and turning off that default. So that's not to say that there definitely will not be another person in the house while you're looking at it. However, the default on our end as an association is to make sure that that's not happening.
0: You know, and, and we'll, we're going to get to that here in a second, right? How crazy the market is. But I know I've been out there. We've had lots of offers go out with some of the same clients just, you know, trying. And we're we'll going to talk a little bit about that. But I can tell you this. I've only really run into one listing so far that allowed the the, uh, the crossover that was so common prior to the pandemic. And during that time, there wasn't a realtor or a group that would go in. So we just found a way to get in and out of the house like hey let, let us get through the inside and then we'll go out and look at the garage or whatever so it, it, we've been my experience so far has been a lot of responsibility going on out there. I don't know Jen what, what have you found?
1: I have had excellent people as well. There'll be several of us waiting outside and we just communicate with what our showing time was and be respectful of one another. I carry the Clorox wipes in my vehicle and just wipe everything off, you know, and and go through and do that because while we're supposed to be doing it, like you said, Bobby, they are suggestions. So just trying to do my due diligence in helping our community out when I'm doing my showings and stuff. But everybody's been respectful. I've seen some really, really nasty stories out there, unfortunately. But luckily, in our wheelhouse, it's been standard protocol of following guidelines and respectful agents, which is always amazing.
2: Well, I think that's the thing is my experience has been like your experience. Everyone's respectful. We all take turns going in and out of houses. But whenever you hear a story, it's always that really, really bad story. but it's the same situation with one when someone has a great experience at a store, they typically don't go tell the world about this great experience I had. They may tell a friend here or there. but when there's a really bad experience with people acting a fool, they go tell everybody and so I think that's why we've heard the really bad stories, but there's very they're few and far between. If it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. That's what one of my friends yeah. says. <laughs>
1: It's so terrible, but it's like, it really is the old rule of thumb. You know, if it, if it doesn't have blood or it doesn't make us like, we don't tend to listen as much. It's our human nature.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick, for instance, it has nothing to do with real estate, but it. they were back to back days on Facebook last week. And I found them very interesting on Tuesday. My son took his violin to school and he played his violin and there was a little video. It so
1: adorable actually, by the way, he's so, (laughs) um, so Alex is so talented and they've been working with him on violin Lessons for a while, but he is just oh, so adorable. Thank you for sharing that.
2: And he was super sweet. And and his video on Facebook got over a thousand views, which is um, like in my world, a thousand views on Facebook is amazing. The very next day, our lawn care business uh, was broken into one of our trucks was stolen and a whole bunch of our tools. So I posted that video out on Facebook and it got 5,000 views. Like, that's my, that, you know, my son playing violin was really, really, really cool. Funny. And yet the truck stealing. Somebody got five steals times, a
1: truck from a lawn care business. We got 5,000 views because there's something being stolen. And we're interested in that. Well,
0: I, I was watching it because I wanted to see how to do it effectively. No, <laughs> I'm, te- I'm teasing.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you take. A, even though there's, trucks. Yeah. No, we had an eight foot fence with barbed wire and they cut through it and then they drove through the gates when they stole the truck. So that's how you do it. Nice.
1: All right. Back to the real estate. So,
0: well, you you'd mentioned uh, the market being crazy. So, during the pandemic, it it makes sense that certain businesses excelled, delivery businesses, you know, your your DoorDash, your GrubHubs, of course, the Amazon delivery and and uh, so you would anticipate the UPSs and the FedExs doing extremely well. Construction businesses are doing well. Technology is doing well. The gaming industry had a huge boost, so a lot more subscriptions. All of these make sense, but but I don't know that it made sense to me, and I sh- it should have, and, and I know it doesn't make sense to a lot of people who aren't in the industry of why the housing market is so crazy. Uh, it was particularly in Kansas city. It might be as bad in Kansas city as is anywhere, but I was reading stuff that the Kansas city uh, regional association of realtors put out just last month that in, I think it was July we sold the same number of homes that we did July the year before when it was already a tight market, but we Mm -hmm. did it with half the inventory. That's just nuts. How, how how is, why is this happening?
2: So, that that right there is the issue. And it's the severe lack of inventory that we have. We have no supply and demand is at an all-time record. So what we have is we have converse factors into effect right now, is we have sellers who are staying in their homes longer than they've ever stayed in their homes before. You know, back in when I got into real estate as a child, uh, people would stay in their houses typically three to five years. And then about five to ten years ago, people would stay in their houses five to seven years. And now what we're seeing typically is people stay in their house seven to 10 years. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One reason right now is that interest rates are so low that people can refinance, use that equity and do all the projects they always wanted to do. They don't have to go buy a larger house. They don't have to go get something that's brand new. They can make what they have brand new as it is. The other part of that, I think, is just because of Pinterest. (laughs) I know that sounds dumb. But but Pinterest and Facebook and social media and people see all these really cool ideas and then they want to go do them to their house. And then once they've done those things, then they don't want to leave it. So I think we're seeing people stay in their house for longer. And so there's not as many homes coming on the market. The other side of that is that for buyers, the interest rate is an all time low. So they've been renting for a while or they're just getting married or they have all these different life situations that happen. They want to go buy a house now. There's new people entering the market. But because the sellers are staying in their house, we have seen year over year, we're right about 45% less inventory than we had this time last year. But we're seeing just as many homes sell. We're seeing just as many homes go under contract, which means that the little bit of stuff that was hanging on to that nobody was buying, that's finally getting, getting bought up. I can't speak. <laughs> um, but we have a 1.2 month supply. What that means is, is if we took no new listings in the entire Kansas City metro area, every single property that's on the market would be sold in 1.2 months. I bet you we could do it in a week. We probably could, (laughs) because if you look at the entire Kansas City metro area, and I need people to understand that the Kansas City metro area for our MLS, that goes all the way up past St. Joe into Maryville, Missouri. It's going to go all the way out to Warrensburg. It's going to go south past Harrisonville and all of that. And we're going to go out into Kansas a ways too. We're not quite to Lawrence, though. We do have a few Lawrence properties in our MLS in that entire geographic area. At the end of August, we had three thousand six hundred homes for sale. That's crazy. That's-, that's not very many for millions of
1: people. For as many counties as we service, that's like way, way low.
0: I say the metro, it's- the metro area, which is typically a little bit less than you described, is what, three million people? Here yeah. in Kansas City, give or take,
2: Maybe. a lot. That's cool. and that's not very many houses. That's the problem. Even it's even if we go back to last year's supply of about seven thousand homes for sale at this Still time. Still not enough. That was not enough for everybody. But now, and that's what you're seeing. You know, I listed a duplex the other day, which typically investment properties don't go just. Like that. They take a little bit longer, especially right now with the government mandates of no evictions till the end of the year and all of that kind of fun things. We're, we're finding it harder to sell investment properties, but not really. I listed a duplex and it was gone within three hours. That's not typical
1: ever. It's It's been definitely a crazy market. And I wouldn't have seen, you know. I experienced, and I'm sure you did too, Bobby, a slight slowdown when the initial lockdown started because everybody kind of just did their freak out, right? They just, time out, time out, don't don't list house, don't have anybody in house, don't go look at houses. But that only lasted realistically for like seven days. And in seven days, people that had to move or whatever their situation were, it was kind of business. Once we got the whole thing ironed out, I mean, people really had their situations that just... It, I mean, especially with the the supply and the demand
0: uh, absolutely there, there, And that that's probably important to note is that you may be sitting there going, well, I never really have to move. I just want to move. There are situations where people have to move or their wants and their needs are, are much greater. You know, bad leases are, do, are coming up. Um, there are unfortunately divorces. There's growth in family, which is a very fortunate thing. People are having children. Sometimes people are going multi-generational to care for parents, etc. cetera. So there, there are times when people absolutely have to move. Um,
2: let me ask- Well, I'll uh, say, Eric, is right at the very beginning of the pandemic, whenever we were fighting to be declared as essential workers, is I had two families that contacted me that were moving, the military families, They were having job transfers to our area. Now, their job as a part of the military is essential. Them having shelter is essential. So that really helped me when I went to our local governments and said, Look, I'm just one realtor in our 11,500 members, and yet I've got two military families moving to my area, and you're going to try to tell me I can't sell them a home? They can't have shelter? And that helped put perspective on it. It wasn't just someone wanting to move. It was someone whose life circumstances were causing them to have to have property.
0: Let's, uh, let's, Let's kind of get a little bit more micro- For a second, let's talk about Realtors in general and what they do. And so the question, and I'm going to ask both of you ladies this, is is simply this. Realtors do a lot of things... Uh, for their clients. And we're not going to try to go over that laundry list. As a matter of fact, I suspect in a year or two of podcasting, we might come close to covering the bulk of it. So certainly not going to do it in, in a few-minute segment on a single podcast. But uh, th- there's a wealth of experience between the two of you. And so what I want you to do uh, is, is to pick one of <clears throat> what you think is maybe in the top three or five of the most important things that a realtor does for their client and kind of describe... To now our listener, who is the client, here's some things, Here, here's probably the most, one of the most important things that you should be getting from your realtor.
1: My number one is communication. Yep. But I don't know. Well, I, what, do you,
0: what do you mean by that? I mean, we're, uh, they all have to so communicate I, at So I'll just give level. you a,
1: for example, for example, I was out at the campfire talking to a new police officer who had not met me yet, and they were describing their real estate experience The person had not set them up on any emails or any communications and they would just randomly meet with this person and this person would tour them around to homes that the person picked out. Now, my style of communication would be completely different from that experience, whereas I would give you lots of different choices, lots of different options, and speak to you about what your wants and your needs are so that we're making sure that we're meshing all of that up when we actually set out to go look at homes.
0: Before you give me your topic, Bobby, tell me your take on on what's a good communication um, pattern from a realtor.
2: You should always be anticipating what they need. They shouldn't be coming to you and asking questions. So for instance, if we're under contract and we're getting close to closing, I should be reaching out to give them information on how to get their utilities set up before they come to me and say, hey, what are the phone numbers for all the utilities? I need to know the process so well that I know what steps are happening when and when my people are going to be needing what they need. And the idea that a realtor is choosing what houses you go through Good Lord. A that puts a whole lot of pressure on the realtor. And that's just that's crazy. Also, it's a lot easier, especially for us. In our MLS system, we have auto email. So once we have the communication about exactly what they want in a home, all I have to do is plug that into the system and it will automatically email them houses. And then when they find ones they like, they tell me. And we can that makes select- everybody's job easier.
1: And we can select ASAP so that they don't miss out on that home that Zillow no. may or may not have sooner than we do. We actually get them the very first thing.
0: So yep. as a buyer or a seller, I should be expecting this kind of information uh, and anticipation, uh, regular emails from my realtor. And if they're not going to do that, then I may not have the right one. I'll add to that just a little bit. Uh, the other thing that I like to do is I like to communicate at the end of any Conversation with a client, um, I it's kind of like setting the next meeting. I tell them when they can expect to hear from me again. If not, unless something comes up, which is it'll be earlier. So I will contact you on Thursday and give you a status report unless something comes up between now and Thursday. And and for me, my cadence is about every three days uh, unless something comes up. But anyway, so we should expect yeah. that communication.
2: Well, and I think the other important part with communication is using their preferred format of communication. I know I prefer to text. It's just what I do. I can do it at my time. But I have some clients that prefer to email. I have some clients that prefer to talk on the phone. And there are some conversations that have to happen on the phone. Some things have to happen by email. But when the majority of our conversation is happening in their preferred format, it's much better for everybody around, even if it's uncomfortable for me. And I have to put myself in their shoes.
1: Yeah, that's one of the first questions I ask people: is what is your preferred method of communication? And it just lists out email, text, phone call. You know, Zoom is actually another one we offer now. Obviously, Facetime. You want to Facetime? FaceTime. We we will Facetime you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the that's the new thing, right? So.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's the new thing that I've discovered during um, the pandemic is that for my client, I've, I've had like a plethora of out of state clients. I have one right now that will never see their house before they buy it. They'll be here a week afterwards. And that I've just, that's a whole different level of on my end of making me stressed out. However, I've discovered some of my clients like to zoom through the house. Some like to FaceTime through the house. Some want me just to shoot a video and then they can go back and record it and watch it anytime. Some want to FaceTime and then have me record it. And again, it's all on their level of preferences, what they like and doing all of that. But it's even the video format is varies from client to client.
1: It does. And I think that's one thing we should express to the consumer is don't be afraid to ask your agent to communicate with you in your preferred method. And if you're intimidated by that or anything, again, maybe you uh, maybe you want to interview some more agents, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so we talked a lot about communication and you guys are absolutely right. It probably is one of the most critical. But Bobby, I didn't let you answer the question unless you were going to answer communication as well. Right. What what is one aspect of something that uh, realtors do for their clients that a client should expect that you think is critically important?
2: Well, I have two and I I don't know. They kind of go together. They kind of don't. Well, like they do go together. Number one is the experience that we bring to the table. The fact that we've been in certain situations before and that we know what to expect. We know the process. We know how things happen. And the other thing is keeping all the parties calm during the transaction. Because what I, so uh, let's see, from twelve 2015 to 2019, I ran a 500 agent office in North Kansas City. And I used before I took over that management of that office, what I used to always think was the problem was that realtors were not communing, communicating properly with their buyers and sellers that people would just be freaking out over things they should not be freaking out over. And then as I started being a manager of an office, I realized I think the fires that happen in real estate transactions are sometimes the realtors themselves. You know, Real estate is not life or death, and yet some realtors like to explode little bitty tiny things into big, huge things. So what I expect is my realtor to have experience and to be able to walk me through things and to keep all parties calm, to explain to me when, hey, this is a common occurrence, this is no big deal, or hey, this is really weird and unique, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Um, I always like to say there's no fires in real estate. Except I did have one of my listings burned down one time when I was six months old. <laughs> or when I had I was six months pregnant. Sorry, I wasn't six, six months. months old. I, was, <laughs> I
1: was like, how Sorry. do you
2: even remember that? No, well, you did I early. was six months pregnant and um my did my husband got up in the morning and he came and he was like woke me up. It was like four a.m. He's like, Hey, you're listing over on North 49th. What was the address? And I'm like, It's four AM. I don't know, eleven oh two. He's like, Yeah, it's on the news, it's on fire right now. And I was like, Oh my god. So but typically, there are no fires in real estate. And when we can all stay calm, we can all get to the end goal together.
0: Absolutely. I, fantastic advice. And I think uh, I can't tell you how often I know I'm, I'm counseling clients, and I'm sure you both are, is, is, is to step back and take a big picture of you. Um, to do the things because you get caught up in the minutia, and then anything that sort of bumps that that plan, that perfect plan, you can easily overreact. And I think you're right. Realtors are the ones who are the that that need to be that that calming, guiding uh, presence.
1: Yeah, I want to shift gears for just a second, just because I know this is near and dear to your heart, Bobby, and uh, kind of something you do. You have a lot of great books on diversity that you've read, but I know diversity has been big in your presidency this year. It's been big in NAR. Share with us a little bit about what KCIR is doing for diversity and and maybe a couple of your
2: books that you can share with our listeners. I'm happy to. Uh, We actually are just kind of on the verge of doing all the things that we want to do. Um, It's always been a precipice of ours. Um, but I think that we still have a lot uh, a lot more we can do. So one of the things that we did, we did. My grammar's horrible today, everyone. I apologize. I'm real tired. Um, one of the first things uh, we, we put together was a community cleanup. And we spent a, a morning uh, doing some community cleanup. And then we put together behind that a diversity concert. And Jennifer, you got to attend that. That was awesome and yeah, great. The Unity and I concert
1: to- where yeah. um, Unity lives here. Yep,
2: the unity. And that's our. Here. That's that's our theme that we're living with this year. But I, I've done a lot of work with a lot of other associations, and I'm looking at how their diversity committees and things are working to make sure that we actually do have a a, divi- a diverse group of people, so that we can hear all voices. And I think that's really important that we do. And during this research, I've discovered um, the Chicago Association of Realtors. They have something that's called the 77, and they have 77 unique neighborhoods in the Chicagoland area, and they have people that serve on this diversity committee represent each one of those unique neighborhoods, and then they bring information back and forth so that the community is actually speaking with the Association of Realtors so that we can have direct conversation back and forth. So I think that's something we really could help institute in Kansas City is having people actually designated to represent the different unique neighborhoods we have in the KC metro area and make sure we're hearing the homeowners and the community's voices and we're taking our voice of what we're doing back to them. Uh, If you're looking for resources, uh, there are multiple good books that I would recommend you read. But the very first one I would recommend you read is called Some of My Best Friends Are Black by Tanner Colby or Colby Tanner. I don't have the book right in front of me, but his name is something like that. But Some of My Best Friends Are Black. And that book is a super easy read. It's very down to earth. And what it does is it looks at four main areas of segregation within our country, typically, which were within schools, within housing and neighborhoods, within the workplace and within churches. And it looks at four communities that were some of the worst offenders. So for schools, it looks at Birmingham, Alabama. For neighborhoods and housing, it looks at Kansas City. And it talks right about truths and it talks real life examples today of people that lived way back then and how it's affected them today. And then it looks that for the workplace, it looks at New York City and the advertising industry, mad men, if you will. And then for the how or for churches, it looks at South, um, Southern Louisiana, the entire state, but small communities. It's a great book. Now, from there to dig in deeper, the book Color of Law by Richard Rothstein is an amazing read. It's more dense. You're not going to be able to get through it in a day. It's you have to break it up into little chunks. And then if you make it past that, um, Howard Zinn, A People's History of the United States, is another great read. But that looks at all different groups. That's not just looking at diversity. That's looking at women and um, immigrant workers and whole different groups of people, but it's the history told through their eyes.
1: You're so good on the books, Bobby. I'm just not (laughs) an amazing... Like I just finished Lee Brown's um, Peeling the Onion, which is a fairly... Easy read. And that's about my speed. I'm a doer. I'll get out and do. And um, I'm a kinesthetic learner. So it's a little, my brain just works slightly different. I know you're very intuitive and, and more um, on the details than I am, which is fantastic because we all bring so much, so many different perspectives to the table. But thanks for sharing because I probably will never share with our
2: listeners the amazing (laughs) book knowledge that you have, Bobby.
1: All right.
2: So. I I love to read, but I I love to go out. I'm I'm kinesthetic too, though. I learn by touching and doing. Um so I I'm I'm both, but I force myself to read. So You're amazing.
0: All right. So we're getting close to the end of our time. So I wanna to turn to something uh that you're gonna be the first of since you're on our inaugural podcast, but we're gonna ask absolutely every single guest uh this question and so hopefully and we 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 shared it with you earlier so hopefully you've come up with something absolutely fantastic for us but what's I
2: the, forgot the question what's the, I read can, it when you said it
0: I'm going to ask it again and then if we you know need to cut the tape we can but what is what is the absolute craziest thing that you've seen uh or or had happen to you in in real estate
2: I have so many stories to tell that I don't honestly even know where to start, but this is always the first story I tell whenever I start telling about crazy things I've seen in real estate. I don't know that it's the craziest, but it's the one that has stuck with me for forever. So we have a longtime realtor here in St. Joe, and I'll name him because some people know him, some people don't, and he will tell the story too, so it's okay. His name is Russell McLean. And he's a very, very large man. He's probably in the 350 to 400 range. And he's been in real estate for forever. And just one of the nicest, loveliest people. you'll. And I knew his son all through high school and all those things. Well, he had his house on the market for probably five years. And I showed it various times during those five years. Um, But one of those times when I went to show it, you always had to ring the doorbell and then he would let you in. No big deal. Um, I rang the doorbell and he open the door wearing just a towel. He had 100% <laughs> forgotten that we were showing that house. And I had known Russ since I was about eight years old. And I was probably 28 at this point. And just, I will never get that image of dripping wet Russ wearing a towel um, out of my brain. And as I was telling that story, I thought of one more that's a very quick one. Um, I had a client who was one of those people that was one of the pickiest buyers I ever ever had. She would walk through a house, literally put a white glove on and she would look for dust and go, ah, "I don't know how people could ever live like this." <laughs> and then we listed her house for sale. And she Uh-oh. lived in one of the most disgusting pig styes I have ever been in. <laughs> it took us forever to get the house clean. This is way back before anybody did professional photos. Like these were you'd printed them, you went and got them printed out one hour photo at Kmart cuz we had a Kmart across from our office. Um, it was disgusting, but I remember I had an open house and I show up in the house. Ha- I was like kicking piles of clothes so you could walk through it. It was horrible. I get upstairs to her college age son's bedroom and it's just stuff everywhere. I kick the piles of clothes. I make it to the bed and there's a big lump in the bed. It's her college son passed out from too many beers. <laughs> and we had an open house in five minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: So that's so funny. You you talk about the clean because our podcast uh one of coming up in our seller series is going to be brooming for all things real estate because how important is clean in your listing oh, Lord. So it's like the easiest best thing you can do right those, like clean those, is serious i was going yeah. through
0: one of those i call them hoarder houses i was going through one the other day uh, for my investment group we were looking at it and uh, honestly i stopped and they were, you know, one of the investors was with me, and he's like, "What's the matter?" And I'm like, uh, "It looks like somebody was a hoarder, and they, you know, probably passed away or, or moved to a different, you know, a facility or something." And and nothing was been touched in here. And he goes, he goes, well. Uh, at least they're gone. And I'm like, well, I'm hoping they are, right? (laughs) I mean, that that exact same, like that terrified me that I was going to like walk into a room and get around a stack of magazines and find a person dead or alive. So Mm -hmm. that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at the end of our time, so I certainly want to let people have an opportunity to be able to contact you. So, if somebody wants to contact you, either as a, a real estate, you know, professional, you, you do public speaking. More information on areas you're passionate about, diversity, or you know, if for some reason Jen and I aren't the perfect realtors for them, <laughs> and then they want to talk to you about agency, how does somebody get a hold of you?
2: Well, if you're looking for a realtor up in St. Joe, see, I'm a St. Joe person. So we're not even overlapping on our service areas. So for Kansas city, Smithville, Eric and Jennifer, all the way for St. Joe, I'm your gal. Um, and diversity is one of my, uh, passion topics. My other passion topic is mental health. I do speak a lot on, um, mental health. Uh, I lost my, my mom was a realtor and she took her life. And so I do speak a lot on that as well. Uh, if you're looking to have me or want to talk to me about listing your house or anything really, or talk on mental health because I do that too, or diversity, um, you can reach me. My phone number is 816-262-6102. My phone is pretty much always in my hand. And if not, my Apple Watch is on dinging at me constantly. Uh, My email is How H-O-W-E at gmail.com. That's right. I don't use my company email address because Life is just easier when you have one email address that everything goes to. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm Bobby Howe. I will friend almost anyone except if you're a creeper. I will go check that out. And if you're a creeper, I'm not going to accept you. No, creepers loud.
0: Is that why you haven't accepted my friend request yet? Exactly, Eric.
2: That. No, <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of creepy men requests lately. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, yeah, more- that
1: is on the high. You are. You're right. I deleted three this morning. Yes, it's different.
0: That's funny. I I don't get those
1: requests. (laughs) I I don't understand. I'll send them your way. We're changing our profile pictures, Bobby. Change them now.
0: That may not. That may not work for you. (laughs) All right. Well, Bobby, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you so very much for joining us.
2: We know that you're so busy. So this really means a lot. Thank you. I'm so excited to do it. And I have 10 minutes till my next Zoom. So maybe I can grab some lunch. I'm Woo! excited. Ah!
0: <laughs> you have been listening to Get
2: Real KC
0: with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.